Good evening, junior boys. All right. Thank you. I, I feel so loved. Just put it way, way in the back as far as you can, out of the way. So, uh, so like I said last night, I do have a wife. Her name is Catherine. She's actually, is she here? Nope. She ditched me. All right. That's all right. Uh, I love her anyway. So I have uh, one thing I got to show you about my uh, time as a junior boy. I loved junior boys camp. How many of you guys love junior boys camp? I, I actually love junior boys camp so much that when I was going into seventh grade, I came to junior boys as well, and I went to junior high camp. I loved camp. So I have a picture of when I was a junior boy. So this is me right there, hopping on one leg. I was kind of like a bowling ball, knocking people down all over the place. So I, I love junior boys camp, but there's something that I got to share with you that you're probably not going to believe. And it's this. When I was a junior boy, and actually all the way until I was in eighth grade, it's kind of embarrassing, but my mom could beat me in arm wrestling. My mom could beat me in arm wrestling all the way until I was in eighth grade. So the first time I beat her, I think I was like 13 or 14 years old. And, and beyond that, my mom could actually bench press more than I could until I was in eighth grade too. Isn't that embarrassing? It's amazing. Dad loves it, all right? He likes a strong woman. All right. <laughs> all right, so, oh yeah, I got to show you this. So tonight we're talking about facing the giant of unbelief. And this, and we're going to be looking at the story of Rahab and Joshua too. You can turn your Bibles there if you want. But you see, I mean, that's just like a normal-sized Chinese lady. And then there is Yao Defen, or something like that. That's how you say her name. She's seven foot seven. That's ridiculous. I mean, look how, like, normal lady over here on the left. Yao. Normal Yao. That's insane. That's a giant woman. She's the tallest woman that has ever lived. And unfortunately, she passed away in 2012. Rest in peace. All right, so I need a, a helper. I need a helper. Uh, you in the Minnesota shirt. Come on up here. All right, come on up here. And so tonight, we're talking about faith. We're talking about facing the giants, and the, the giant is unbelief. All right, so this is actually one of my good friends. It wasn't a very random uh, selection. He's actually one of my good friends, Ben. Sorry, all the people who raise your hands next time. All right, so Ben, I have a question for you. Do, do you trust me? Do you trust me with your life? Oh, you don't trust me? So, I mean, all right. Do you trust me that I won't drop you? All right, he trusts me that he won't drop me. Ready, jump. All right, so Ben, stand right here, right, right on the edge, facing that way. All right, so Ben is going to be faced with a choice. And if you do this, Ben, if you can do it perfectly, I'll get you uh, something from the snack shack, okay? So what you have to do is you have to trust me. You have to place your faith in me that I will catch you. You have to do a trust fall. You can't bend your knees at all. You're going to have to place your faith in me to catch you. And I'm going to let you fall a little bit. So you're going to be wondering, is he really going to catch me? But you have to place your faith 
in me to trust you, catch you, okay? Do you think you can do that? All right. All right, so here we go. Put your hands up by your chest. Lock your knees. And then fall backwards, straight back. Don't bend at all. Just fall backwards. Good job, Ben. Go ahead and have a seat, bud. He had to place his entire trust, his entire faith in me that I was going to catch him. As we think about what biblical faith looks like, we talked about last night that if you want to have God's presence in your life, that's the power to defeat your giants. But the only way you can receive that is through faith. The only way you can receive God's power to face your giants, to defeat your giants, is through faith. And a picture of what Ben just did is what we have to do at salvation. We have to place our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ to catch us. There's nothing good that we can do. There's no work that we can do. There's not going to church, not getting baptized, not helping an old lady across the street. Nothing we can do can help us get to God. It's only our faith in Jesus Christ and what He's done for us on the cross catching us in that. We're placing our full weight in that to catch us. So tonight as we look at the story of Rahab in Joshua 2, we're going to see a woman who was willing to place her life but not just her life, her family's life as well. She was willing to place everything in God's hands. She was willing to give everything. She was willing to place her own soul in the hands of God to catch her. She placed her faith in God. So tonight, the giant killer that we're going to be talking about is what? It is faith in God. So you say that on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, all together, one, two, three. So if you want to kill your giants, if you want to defeat the giant of unbelief, it starts by placing your faith, by doing a trust fall into the arms of God because he will catch you. I need some volunteers. I need two volunteers. All right, we're going to go in the very back. Yes, you, very back right there. And then we're going to go with the front row Baptist up here. All right, Cyclones. Right there. I love the cyclones. I love the cyclones, all right? So what's happening is uh, Joshua is taking, come over here. So he's about ready to go into the promised land, and he wants to scout out what's going to happen. And so what he does is he takes two spies. So you guys are spies, so get all like... Sneaky, that's not sneaky, that's weird. All right, so get all sneaky. So you're going to sneak over here. So sneak around, sneak around. Come on over here. So I'm Joshua. All right, guys, go sneak around. Go scout out Jericho, okay? So they're going, they're sneaking around into Jericho. And rumor has it they get into Jericho, and they go to a lady's house by the name of Rahab. Say Rahab. Rahab. And she actually was a sinner, a pretty bad sinner. In fact, we're just going to call her one bad mamma jamma, all right? So say one bad mamma jamma on the count of three. One, two, three. That's right. She was. But these two guys, they went into her house because they heard that the king of Jericho was going to find them and kill them. 
And so Rahab, she took them in. So I'm actually going to be Rahab too. Hello, boys. All right, I can't talk like a girl. I'm just going to talk normal. So she took them into her house, and she put them on the top of her house. So I need you to lay on here. And they, I, don't, I couldn't find biblical flax, so we went over to, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the field across the way, and we were digging through all the weeds and stuff, and so we got some stuff that kind of looks like flax. And what she did, Rahab, she buried these guys in this, it was on the roof, so no one could see them, and so she didn't want anybody to see them, just lay there really good, all right? And so then, guess what, the king, he sent a posse, basically someone who's going to go and find these spies, she, he sent them to Rahab's house, and they posse said, we, we've heard that there are two spies that are in your house, are they here, are they still here in the city, and she said, she actually lied to him, so we'll overlook that point. But she lies to him, and she saves the lives of the two spies. Give a round of applause to our two spies. All right, I'm glad you're not dead. So she saves the life of these two spies, and then she goes up onto the house, top roof of her house, and she begins talking to these spies. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Joshua 2, verse 8. So give a round of applause for our two spies hiding underneath the flax. All right, good job, guys. Come see me afterwards. I might give you a prize. You did really good. All right. So Joshua 2, 8. So this is where we're picking up. Rahab is on the roof of her house, and she's talking to these two spies. Joshua 2, verse 8. But before we begin... Let me just say a word of prayer. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these junior boys. Man, the energy they have is awesome. I pray that they would channel it to focus on what the truth is being conveyed to them. The giant killer, the fact that they can kill their giant of unbelief through faith in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that tonight would be the day of salvation for many of these young men. We love you, and ask these things in your name. Amen. So think about what's going on in Rahab's life. She is risking it all. Think about the giants she was facing. She could have been put to death for even welcoming these spies into her house. She could have been put to death for being willing to lie to a king to save the lives of these two men, these two spies. So let me just say, caveat, this is not a, a proof that, oh man, I can lie and it's okay. I'll give you permission. You can lie whenever you want as long as you're saying the li- saving the lives of two men who will die, face a certain death if you don't die, lie, okay? So that's the only time you can lie, otherwise you need to tell the truth. So back to the story. She, she was facing certain death. We're going to look a little bit later. She actually hung a red rope, a scarlet rope, outside of her window for like weeks on end. And she could have been caught and killed for that too. I mean, she was facing a huge giant. How did she conquer it? Again, it was through her faith in God. So, as we talk about this, the power to defeat your giants can only be received by faith in God. The power to defeat your giants can only be received by faith in 
God. So we're going to start in Joshua 2, verse 8. It says, But the men lay down. She came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Rahab, she knew that the, the promised land was being given to the, the Israelite people. And he, she says this about her people. And the fear of the Lord has fallen, uh, the fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Listen to this. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the, uh, of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. Alright. The first point as we think about the story of Rahab and her journey of faith, or the the three stops she had on her journey of faith is this. The first thing, you need to hear what God has done. You need to hear what God has done, junior boys. Think about Jericho when they talk about this in the beginning of verse 10. It says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. So we know if You've been around church at all. You've probably heard of the story of Moses and how he led the people out of, uh, they were in slavery in Egypt, and he led them away, and they had to cross a big body of water. They had to cross the Red Sea. So this is a potential crossing where they would have crossed. And what happened is Moses, he stretched out his staff over the water, and boom, there was a dry path right through the middle of the Red Sea, and the whole people, the whole nation of Israel, walked through on dry ground. That's like an amazing thing, right? If I was a a people that was opposing the Israelites, like Jericho was, I mean, I'd be pretty freaked out too, that this God, the the God of the nation of Israel, was able to even make a dry path right through the Red Sea. Like, think about this. Imagine... If you were able to, we're walking over by Clear Lake, and all of a sudden, someone sticks out a staff, and there's a dry path right through the middle of Clear Lake, and we're able to walk down. That's going to be like, you're going to be wowed, aren't you? That's like, you hear these things, what God has done, and they were melting in fear, like the Bible says. But not only that, not only did they pass through the Red Sea, what happened is, so they started out here in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea over here, and they went on, they, actually they sinned against God, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years. But then they marched up as they were heading towards the Promised Land, and they went up here towards the land of the Amorites. And what happened is, they asked, hey, can we have a pass through your land? And there's two kings, Sion and Og, who said... No, we're not going to let you pass through a land. And so what happened? These people who were opposing, they were enemies of God. They were wiped out. And there's something you got to know about one of these guys. His name is Og. So Og, I forgot to write down the reference, but there's a, a verse in the scriptures that said that his bed was 
I think it was nine cubits, which is 18 inches or 13 feet long. His bed was 13 feet long and six feet wide. I'm six foot four. So that's four inches less wide than me and almost actually over twice as long as me. That is a big bed, don't you think? Could you imagine having a bed that big? That'd be like amazing. My dog wouldn't be on top of me all the time. All right, so, so I actually have a picture I googled. This is bones of a giant that is found near where Og was from. So this is like a massive man. Like you see, that's like a normal dude right there. And then there is Potentially, I don't know who that is. It could be King Og. But think, like this is what King Og would have been like. He was a giant, a massive man. And guess what? He was defeated by the armies of the living God. Wiped out. Killed. So when you think about Jericho and they're thinking, all right, so we're facing a God who is able to dry up water so we can walk across the ground on dry land. And we're facing a God who is able to wipe out massive giants. Aren't you going to respond like they did in trembling and fear? Junior boys, I want to think about this as you hear what God has done. You need to hear stories about how amazing and how great God is that He can part the Red Sea, that he can defeat all his enemies. You need to hear these stories because God, as we heard this morning, God is holy. He is great. He is awesome. And he rules over all the earth. But you remember in verse 11, it says, their hearts melted with fear. And junior boys, you need to hear that just like Jericho's heart melted with fear, your heart needs to melt with fear as well. Here's why. Because what the Bible says and what we heard tonight is that all of us are sinners. All of us, and what that means, we're all enemies of God. So we talked about how God is holy this morning. So what he's saying, if you want to be on my team, you have to be perfectly righteous. You can't have sinned at all, but... Here's the bad news, what the Bible says to us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. So I, I placed a challenge on you guys, and I said, hey, if you're able to defeat me in basketball, what? I give you a hundred bucks, right? Well, guess what? You all fell short. Not one person came close to beating me in one-on-one. -on -one. It wasn't a competition. I'm sorry to break it to you. But here's the problem. You guys weren't perfect in making all your shots. But here's the other thing. Guess what? I wasn't either. I fell short. I didn't reach the standard of God's perfection. If we want to meet the standard of God's perfection, we have to hit that jump shot. We have to hit that three every time right in the dead center swish. And even Steph Curry, who had a chance to win the, the game six of the NBA Finals, he missed the shot. He's one of the best shooters in NBA history, and he fell short. God's standard is perfect. It's holy, and we all fall short of this. And that, guess what? That takes us off of God's team. We're no longer on God's team, and it places us over here as God's enemies. And this should cause us to be afraid, because we know what God does to his enemies. 
He defeats them. They will be defeated. You will be defeated. But there is hope. And you need to hear this too. The greatest news in all the world for the enemies of God is this. It's found in Romans 5 verse 8. It says, But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made a way possible for enemies of God to become holy, righteous through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. There's a potential for you to come on to God's team. You need to hear this good news. You need to hear what God has done for you. But there's another stop. This is the first stop on the journey of faith. The second stop is this. You not only need to hear what God has done, you need to believe in God. You need to believe in God. Here's something that's an interesting tidbit of information for you. Both Rahab and Jericho, they had the exact same information. They both had heard what God had done, but they responded in radically different ways. Jericho, what they did was they hardened their heart against God. They built up this wall. They uh, built their fortifications so that they could defeat the enemies of uh, the, the Israelites so they could defeat them. But Rahab responded differently. She responded not by hardening her heart against God. She handed her heart over to God. I want to show you a video of one of my friends who responded just that way, like Jericho, but also has responded like Rahab. So check out this video. Well, I'm going to start my story about seven years ago when Tyler caught me doing something I shouldn't have been doing and blackmailed me into doing a Bible study. <laughs> now, I knew a little about the Bible from various church events growing up. I knew sinners went to hell, but I didn't care. I even said so. Tyler asked me once where I was going when I died. My response was, I guess I'm going to hell. I didn't even like going to church. In fact, the only reason I came that first time, which was an Easter Sunday, was for Stu's free breakfast. There was bacon and other stuff, including a chocolate sauce that I dipped my bacon in. I kept coming back, hoping to have that again. Over time, though, God crept his way into my heart using the worship music and Pastor Brad. He also used the men's retreat over the last couple of years, but in particular, this last one in September. Something about the music was getting to me, along with Pastor Pat's message about Jesus ruling from heaven and from the humblest of hearts. After that message, I told Tyler that maybe I'll become a Christian after the treat. However, the next morning, the message was still on my mind and my heart, so Tyler and I read Romans 10, 9, and 10, which says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you will be saved. For it is with your heart that... I lost my place. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. But after that, that, after Tyler and I talked, 
during the 30-minute break, I went on a walk, and during that time, that's when I decided right then and there that I needed Jesus in my life because I didn't want to go to hell. On the way home, Tyler asked me what I thought about the message, and I told him that Jesus lives in my heart now, putting Romans 10, 9, and 10 into practice. So Aaron, he was my friend, and he actually, we did a Bible study one time together, and after the one that I blackmailed him into, and after we'd done four of them, he looked at me right in the eyes, and he told me the message of the gospel, what Jesus Christ had done, and I asked him, Aaron, what do you want to do with that? And he looked me right back in the eyes and said, nothing. His heart was hardened to the gospel. But this September, right over here, in this pew right here, sitting right over there, we were talking at the men's retreat, and I read him Romans 10, 9, and 10, which says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, what you will be saved, right? And so Aaron, he went on a walk, and he talked, and he decided, Hey, I'm want, I don't want to harden my heart against God anymore. I want to place my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. And so this past Sunday, he just got baptized, declaring to everyone his faith, his trust in Jesus Christ. Yeah, you can give a round of applause for that. And this is actually what Rahab did too. Hebrews 11, verse 31 says this, By faith, Rahab did not perish with those who were disobedient. She went from being one bad mamma jamma to being on the team of God who is just and holy. She was a sinner and she was saved by her faith. So not only do we need to, actually, point your ears with me. You need to hear what God has done, but you also need to believe what God has done. Well, I'm going to skip that. All right, and then you need to point out, live for God. So you need to hear Believe, live, all right? So we need to live for God. Think about what Rahab did. Upon her faith in God, what she do? She hid the spies, that's seen in 2.6. Not only that, she helped the, the spies escape in verse 15. Then she left the scarlet cord hanging out of her window because that's what God had commanded her to do through these two spies. And she did that, risking everything. She could have been caught and killed. Rahab's belief in God, her faith in God, lived to transformed her life to living for God. And that should be the same for you. If you are a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, your faith in God, your belief in God, should lead to a life that's lived for God. And this is what a genuine personal belief in Jesus Christ does. And so, junior boys, I want to challenge you. If you claim right now to be a Christian, if you claim to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it should be a natural, a normal thing to live your life for God. You should desire to live for God. So you should desire to go to church. Maybe you should think, oh, I know that I need to 
get baptized like Aaron did, but I'm just scared of what people will think of me. That's a natural step of obedience for someone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. You need to take the step of obedience in reading your Bible, memorizing God's Word. These are things that a Christian should desire to do. You should live your life for God. Even, sometimes what's hard is maybe confessing your sin. Who likes to admit they're wrong? Or I don't. It's hard, but this is what Christians do. But don't worry, because if, you're confess, if you confess your sin, you have a God who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's willing to welcome you back with open arms. So I have, a, as we close, I have a couple of questions. So you think about, all right, there are three stops on the journey of faith. First, it's here. Say here. Then you got to believe. Point to your heart and say believe. believe. And then you got to point out and say live. live. All right. Hear, believe, and live. So I'm going to ask you a question in the, as we close. And where are you at on your journey of faith? What stop are you at on your journey of faith? Are you just a junior boy who is hearing the good news? You've maybe even grown up in a Christian home your whole entire life. You've heard the good news, but. You're still over here. You're on. You're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God. Well, I encourage you to go to the next stop, which is a stop of belief. You're placing your faith, your trust in what Jesus Christ has done. Romans 5.8. He demonstrated His love for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Place your faith, your trust. Do a trust fall into the arms of God and what He's done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then, lastly, junior boys, if you need to take that, go to that next stop, which is living your life for God. Is there a sin in your life that you need to confess that's holding you back? You need to take the step of obedience in being baptized. You need to commit yourself to doing whatever it is you need to live for God. So I, what I want you to do is write down, all right, Actually, I just want you to circle, which stop am I at, and which stop do I want to get to, all right? Circle which stop are you at, and what point and arrow to which stop you want to get to, okay? And so, let me uh, close with a word of prayer. God, I do thank you for your word, for the truth that's found in it. I pray that you would use these junior boys 